So to recap where we've been the past two weeks, uh, we've been in Matthew chapter six. And two weeks ago, uh, we talked about Jesus saying, hey, whenever you pray, go to your room and shut the door, implying where no one can see you, you're, you're by yourself, and pray. And your Father who sees you will reward you. And we talked about, you know, what would it look like if we as people of God reserved our best for God, not for the crowds, but for the closet? What would it look like if we went, man, only God sees me at my best, right? In a culture that goes, no, culture sees you at your best. Everything that you have to offer, the crowd should see it. The dirty stuff, the gross stuff, the stuff you're ashamed of, that's what you hide. And Jesus goes, no, 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 it's actually, it's the opposite. It's like, or maybe not the opposite, I hope he takes care of your mess, but it's the opposite in the sense that you reserve your best for the Father, that God gets to see your best, and he has secrets for you in the inner closet, and what would it look like for us to be a people of prayer that leave our best for the Father in the private places of our life? And then last week, Cody Hunter and Sarah Sullivan led us through Lectio Divina, and we talked about the Lord's Prayer. We reflected on it and listened, and I heard it went great. I was on vacation. I took a little break, and it was awesome. But um, I heard it went amazing, so I was a little jealous. Sam is back there. Sam, you helped lead worship last week, and I wasn't here last week to say it. Thanks for leading worship for us. He technically doesn't even go to the Ruby. We're working on that, working on a trade. Um, but uh, um, no, we're not. We're just trying to acquire him in free agency. But um, thank you for leading worship. So that went great. And we're going to spend the next four weeks in Matthew 6, uh, breaking down the Lord's Prayer, working through it slowly. But for today, we're going to have Matthew 6 in mind, but we're going to look closely at Ephesians 6. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, and if you're using one of our blue Bibles, as I am, that's on page 569. And I don't know if you know this, but our church is actually entering, entering into a new season this month, as is our whole city. So I live right across the street from an elementary, or actually a middle and high school, and already the, the school parking lots are filling up. School starts tomorrow, which is, I'm pretty sure when I was younger, it didn't start like August, maybe it did, did it always start August 5th? Wasn't it like in the, t am I like really windy right now? Uh, I'm breathing a lot more than I usually do. <sighs> um, but yeah, anyway, so school starts tomorrow, and our city is like about to enter into a new season, right? The interstates are going to be a little more piled up in the mornings, which is sad. Um, we're going to have college students back in here. And I don't know if you know this, if you've been with us for three or four years, our summer attendance has gone way up, um, which is so cool. Um, but if you just joined us this summer, get ready, because our college students are back, and they're going to make themselves known. It's going to be awesome. So we're entering into this new season, and I found that it can be helpful when a new season is coming, just to mentally be aware of it and to be ready for it. And instead of the, the season kind of catching me on my heels to go, oh, a new season's coming, here's how I'm going to enter into it. And so today's conversation is going, hey, a new season's coming, how will our church prepare for it and be ready for it? And so the conversation today is really about being proactive instead of reactive. And so that's kind of the two main words we're gonna focus in on, I'm gonna flesh this out. But being proactive versus reactive, I don't know if you know this, but in life, it, it is often advantageous to be proactive versus reactive. And I was trying to think of examples of this to really connect with us, and I can only think of sports examples. So I called my dad and went, Dad, where in life have you found, because he's super proactive, he's just always with it, right? He's always knows about the problem before the problem even happens. He's one of those guys, super annoying. And I was like, so dad, where are you proactive in your life? And he immediately had answers, of course, right? He gave me three, so I'm gonna give you all three. He said, first, with a dentist, all right? 
proactive with at least an annual cleaning, right? Being proactive there, hoping that if there is any sort of problem, the dentist detects it, correct? Like, isn't that a, isn't that like a, it's a good way to live life, right? I am currently living in a reactive dental lifestyle. <laughs> I just want to be transparent. And I, I, I brush my teeth twice a day, which I know it's supposed to be three. Actually, I think that switched to two, which I was very happy about. I'm like, three is not practical. Two, so I do two. I used to floss regularly. I'm, I'm taking a sabbatical right now. I'm gonna get back to it until like when the Holy Spirit tells me, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm living reactively and I have a little thing on my tooth and I'm not sure what it is. And Leah's, my, Leah, my wife is like, you need to go to the dentist. And I'm like, it does not hurt yet. We are fine, right? That's living reactive. That's waiting for me to wake up in the middle of the night going, I am in incredible pain. I need to go to the dentist, right? That's not wise. And I'm taking a risk, but I'm a risk taker. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, be praying for that morning. Um, so, right, so you, being proactive in your dental life, right? That's a good idea, right? Being proactive with the doctor. My dad said he gets his blood work at least once a year, right? So instead of showing up to the doctor with a bunch of symptoms that could have been detected six months ago if you only would have went to the doctor and had a blood test, right? Like, that's the point. So being proactive there is helpful. Being proactive with your car is super helpful, right? And this is a tough one because... If you go and get your car fixed, the people fixing your car are always far more proactive than you are, right? They're like, man, you're going to need new brakes in 100,000 miles. You should go ahead and get those changed today, right? <laughs> and you're like, I, no, like that's so overt. Like, I, I see the strategy and no, right? But if you err too much on the reactive side, you wait till you hear the grinding noise. And I'm speaking from experience from this month. I started breaking at a stop sign and was like, oh my gosh, what is that noise? It was like nails on a chalkboard. My brakes were just, it was really bad. So I had to go get those fixed. It cost me hundreds and hundreds of dollars, right? I lived reactive to my car problems, right? So we understand, I think I've made this abundantly clear in very elementary fashion, that being proactive versus reactive is advantageous, okay? And so today, I want to talk about what it looks like to be proactive with the kingdom of heaven rather than only reactive to the kingdom of hell, okay? We're going to talk about being proactive in the kingdom of heaven rather than just reactive to the kingdom of hell, and we're going to break this down, okay? So I want to start with reading Ephesians chapter 6, um, where in Matthew 6, Jesus says in, in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus gives us this prayer that notes he's advancing a kingdom. And then in Ephesians 6, Paul's going to make us really aware of another kingdom that is waging war on the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so Matthew 6, nope, Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit 
with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So Ephesians 6 has always been one of my favorite passages. I think when I was seven, it was my first sermon ever. I preached on the armor of God. And because of that, my parents bought me this painting of a guy praying in an in a angel with a lot of armor on, like over him, like putting on, it was really cheesy and beautiful and it meant a lot to me. And it didn't mean a lot to you as I just learned. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, anyway, I, don't, I didn't have that in my notes and that's what happens. So um, Paul is going to focus here on these eight verses on defending, right, on standing your ground against the enemy. And I want to talk about what it looks like to defend, but also what it looks like to advance the kingdom of heaven. But a little backstory on Ephesians 6 and and why this has been on my heart for like five years. I was in this house church, um, and this guy named Alex Miller, who was a long time, went to Ethos. He now lives, I think, in Portland. Um, But Alex, if you're listening, love you. Thank you for the help. He was talking about Ephesians chapter six and, and uh, he was teaching on the armor and I remember he talked about it in a way that I'd never heard it before. Um, so he started talking about how Roman armor would function and how Romans would wear these either sandals or boots and they would put hobnails in the bottom of the sandal or boot to help them maintain grip as they fought. I was like, wow, that's pretty fascinating. And he, he said, like, the, the hobnails, and I don't know what a hobnail is. I saw pictures of it, still not sure. Um, but they go on the bottom of your boot if you're fighting somebody on grass. So uh, I, I, hobnails in the boot help you maintain grip, right? So as you're being attacked, you get to maintain balance easier, right? You get to hold your ground. You play defense. But he started saying, those are in the, the boots or the sandals, not just to defend, but as you defend and, and defeat, you take steps, you advance, right? The armor isn't only for defense, reactive, right? It's offensive. If you're in a war, you don't just stand and wait to, for the next attack, right? You try to advance. And I remember hearing this, and, and also it's just so cool thinking about Paul. He's in prison, he's writing, he sees a soldier, and the Holy Spirit just takes over and goes, all right, I'm gonna make a metaphor out of this like, soldier who's holding you captive, right? And so um, I remember going, whoa, this is impactful, I've never thought about it this way, but armor is not just defensive. It's offensive, right? Armor is not intended for you just to hold your ground, but for you to take ground. And so the first place that this really impacted my life was my sin life. I began realizing that in my sin life, I was a defensive guy, meaning I didn't really think about sin or temptation until sin or temptation met me at my front doorstep. And I don't know about you, but in my experience, if I don't think about sin or temptation until it meets me at my front doorstep, I'm usually extremely susceptible to that temptation. When it catches me off guard, catches me reacting, I usually fall to it, right? And so I started going, God, what does it look like for me to be proactive? Like, I've realized that for years, I've only defaulted to defense with sin life. So I went, what does it look like for me to be proactive? And so I began praying and praying over different sin issues, like anywhere from pride to greed to gossip to lust to whatever, just name the thing, all right? It's like, use your own example. I started going, God, what does it look like for me to be offensive here? Proactive, not just reactive. So, you know, whenever I'm tempted to, to binge eat sugar or binge watch Netflix or scroll on Amazon to buy something to fill a void in my heart, I don't know where it's coming from, but I'll use it on Bluetooth headphones, you know, like whatever it is, whenever I'm tempted to lust after that person or that screen, like, like what does it look like for me to be proactive in this? And so I started praying like, and going, God, right now it's just me and you. I had this little card on my uh, uh, dashboard. It said, prepare in advance. 
Ephesians 6. I was like, okay, so I was in the car, like the least tempted to do, I'm just like sitting in the car talking to the Lord. God, right now, I'm not tempted in any way. I'm just sitting in my car talking to you. But I know how the enemy works, and I'm watching these patterns in my life. So God, will you just help me? I've noticed that around this time of day or with these people or in this location, temptation seems to lurk. I'm tempted to compromise my morals in these areas. So right now, as I'm not tempted, God, I want to make a plan with you. Like, will you help me, Holy Spirit? Protect me. Guide me. Here's what I'm literally going to do when temptation comes knocking. And so I literally got really practical with the Holy Spirit. This might sound weird and nerdy to you, but I felt God like helping, illuminating, here's what freedom looks like in those areas. So I found that getting offensive, proactive in my sin life helped me find freedom that I didn't know was available. I felt like I was surrounded by people and we all knew how to confess sin, but we didn't know how to overcome it. And proactively pursuing freedom from sin and temptation was really powerful. And I can tell you a lot more about that, but that that helped lead me to freedom. And so today, I want to take that conversation a little bit higher and go, what does it look like as people of God to be proactive for the kingdom of heaven rather than just reactive to the kingdom of hell? And I want to break this down. I think it'll be pretty clear as I do that. Um, but in, uh, in Mark chapter 1, when Jesus shows up and he's about to begin his ministry, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is what? Near or here, either one would have worked there. The kingdom of God is near. There's a kingdom coming. In Matthew chapter six, that's where it says, kingdom of heaven is coming to consume the ways of earth. And then when Jesus talks about Satan, he says Satan wants to steal and to kill and to destroy. He's not subtle. It's like Satan is not subtle in his hatred of you. He's subtle in his tactics, but he is out to steal to kill, to destroy, to defeat. Jesus is saying that, right? Peter says he's seeking to prowl around like a roaring lion. And then Paul says the real battle is happening in the spiritual realms. And so I want to talk about what it can look like when we become a people that are only reacting to the kingdom of hell for a little bit. I believe that when we as a people find ourselves in a reactionary lifestyle, only reacting to the schemes of the devil, what we can accidentally end up with is a religion of don't do's, okay? A religion of don't do's. So when we get stuck only reacting to this enemy that's doing things, we end up with the religion of don't do's. In my head, you all were gonna put your head down and write that down. That's something I want you to remember. Okay, so to be clear, defending against the enemy is a part of the Christian life. That's such a part of the Christian life. This is so obvious in Matthew chapter four. Jesus goes away, he prays and he fasts for 40 days, 40 nights, and the enemy comes and tempts him. So Jesus uses scripture to overcome the enemy. So to be clear, defending against the kingdom of hell is a part of our life. What I'm speaking to is when we are only in that mindset of only defending, and we're gonna get to the good side. All right, so offense and defense are not mutually exclusive, but what I am talking about is when we live into the extreme of only reacting. Have you ever felt that culture, that reactionary culture in church before? Did you ever find yourself in a church setting and you feel like church was there to tell you what you're not supposed to do? And even if no one said it out loud, you felt it. Hey, watch out for this. No, 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 we're not like that. We don't do this, not this, not that, not that either. Nope, don't go over here, but also don't go too far over here. You gotta find a way, and you're like, oh my gosh, it feels like a minefield. You're like, any step, I might step on something explosive, and when you're scared to take a step, you just stand stagnant, right? It's like, man, this is kind of hard. 
There's a lot of disappointment waiting for me if I take the wrong step. Have you ever felt that before? Like, that's what it looks like to live in a place that's only reacting to the kingdom of hell's war against you. Don't do, don't do, don't do. Be careful, be careful, be careful. And I think there's some real fruit that gets born. That can't be it. There's real consequences to that. That's what I'm saying. Um, I love that I don't know grammar. Um, <laughs> keeps me humble. I'm like, man, this sermon's amazing. That just say something stupid. And I'm like, okay, you know what? God, you got this. Take over. Um, <laughs> I need to let go. But I want to talk about some ramifications. If you've ever felt this, here are some ramifications of living a life that is reactive to the kingdom of hell, that's just focused on don't do's, okay? Um, it starts out with three words that begin with F, but then I, I let go of that. Fatigue, fear, failure, legalism, and giving up. All right, please write these down, or, or please remember them, okay? Um, fatigue, fear, failure, legalism, giving up. First, you get tired. When following Jesus, pause. When following Jesus is watered down to, just don't do all these things, dodge this and dodge that, you get tired. Picture a soldier and you just tell him to just stand right there and watch out. And over and over again, a new soldier with fresh legs comes and attacks. What happens to that soldier? You're worn out. How long do I gotta stand post and wait for somebody with 100% energy to come with his best attack at me? That's a tiring position. Have you ever been in the Christian life trying to follow Jesus, watching out for what all you're not supposed to do and just go, I am tired. This is wearing me out. Like John 10, 10, I've come to give you life and life to the full. Jesus, what are you talking about? I'm worn out. This is tiresome. Fatigue is absolutely a result of a mindset that goes, just watch out, don't do this. Secondly, you get fear. You're scared. If all you're focused on is what you're not doing, you're scared that you might do it, right? You get paranoia instead of prayeranoia. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's in my notes. I'm using it again. <laughs> oh, that could be like a Christian metal band, prayeranoia. Um, it'd be sick. Cody, you'd be into that. Um, so... But you live in fear. When you're in a mindset of don't do this and don't do that, you live scared. Like, what if I do? If my whole identity is in what I'm not doing, the minute I do it, am I just like a total failure? And that feeds into this third thing. You feel like failure is so heavy. I don't know if you know this, but being a human is messy. We make mistakes, but when we get trapped, it was like eight years ago and I got arrested, all this stuff. Mom made me go to counseling. Turns out, great call. Talking to a counselor, he was amazing. And um, we're working through some things. But he goes, hey, be careful, though, in a life of addiction. Or like when you keep like, wanting to get drawn into like, like getting high or getting taken away from like real life, like, be careful how you handle walking in freedom. He said, I, I, I was working with this like, addiction group, and they would um, write down every day that they were free. And then they would get trophies or like some kind of like certificate or something that said six months of like no mistakes, a year of no mistakes. And I'm not saying it's bad. If that helps you, do it. Whatever helps you get free. But what he was saying was the only problem there is if you did mess up, your whole perspective was out of whack. If your whole identity was I'm six months sober and then the minute you mess up, you don't sit back and go, wow, six months I've been free and I've only had one slip up. You go, I'm zero days sober. 
and it's really defeating. He goes, I've seen that have some ramifications. If the personality, if you don't have the personality for it, that is an indictment on your identity. Have you ever felt that in the Christian life? Man, you've been following God. You're following Jesus. You're trying so hard. You're praying, you're reading, and then you just mess up and it just wrecks your whole life. Scripture goes, confess, repent, grace. You go, it's over. <laughs> like, I have failed. I can't talk to God right now. Have you ever felt that? That's when we're living in that religion of don't do this, don't do that. The minute we do it, it really folds in on itself. Wow, I did it. I'm no longer a don't doer. I did it, right? And it leaves us feeling failure and it is an indictment on our identity. Because of these three things, you get a culture that can be very legalistic. You're aware of this. Culture, in some ways, has been right and in some ways has been wrong about our, the church in America. But you know that we are easily identified with what we hate, with what we are against, supposedly or actually. But everyone knows us, or it feels this way. I'm not saying this is true, but it can feel, if you're on Twitter too long, like the church is known for what we don't do. And instead of being a people that are walking in liberation and freedom, we turn into a country club of wear this, talk like this, don't do that, keep right here, do this. And it feels cold and weird and, ugh, you know? Have you ever been a part of a, a Christian community that felt like, this is weird. Like, I just feel stiff and stale and I don't even wanna laugh very loud in here because I don't think that's a cool here, <laughs> you know? You ever felt that? It's like, that's a product. And we're, we're wore out, we're scared, we don't wanna mess up, so let's just really micromanage every nook and cranny of our lives to look a certain way. You get this culture of legalism. And after that, I do think the last result is you give up. You look around and go, what, what in the world compelled me to get into this? <laughs> like, I wish I could reach back to my younger self and feel all that excitement again, because I'm gonna be honest, Christianity is pretty whack. It's kind of lame. Like, I, I don't understand. I'm tired. I feel defeated. I feel worthless. I feel judged. What is the purpose of this? And I don't believe that that's actually what Christianity is, but that's what can happen if you find yourself living into a religion of don't do this, don't do that. So while a part of the Christian life is to defend against the kingdom of hell, don't get suckered into only giving the enemy your attention. It's when we give Jesus our attention, we begin being proactive for the kingdom of heaven. That's where we find John 10, 10 being so true. I came to give you life and life to the full. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So I wanna talk now, we've kind of, we've hunkered in on what it looks like to just defend against the kingdom of, of hell. But I wanna say, I wanna talk about what it looks like when our faith is proactive for the kingdom of heaven. What does that look like? And we just spent 18 weeks talking really thoroughly through different things that go into following Jesus, reading our Bible, prayer, worship. We got so practical. So I'm gonna stay higher up, all right? I'm not gonna give you a bunch of like handles today. Um, go listen to the podcast. It's, it's amazing, I hope. I didn't wanna sound arrogant, but I did think it went very well. So, um, <laughs> so uh, what does it look like to be proactive for the kingdom of heaven, all right? What is the most offensive part of the armor? This is actually a part where I'm asking questions. So if you think about armor, what is the most offensive part of armor? Sword. The sword. And what does Paul attribute to the sword? The sword of the what? Which is the what? The word of God. The sword, Paul says, is the sword of the spirit. 
the word of God. And you might have immediately went, that's the Bible. And it absolutely is. But what that literally means when he says it's the word of God, it's the utterance of the voice of God. God's voice. If we are gonna be a people that don't merely defend the kingdom of hell, but we advance, we proactively pursue the kingdom of heaven, Paul says, take up the sword, which is the voice of God. More and more in this season of my life, I am realizing I am nothing. I am nothing without the voice of God. And when I'm not hearing it, I'm gonna go pursue it until I hear it. And when I am hearing it, I'm gonna be obedient. And I feel like it's so easy to get caught up in a thing where I micromanage your spiritual lives and go, okay, I know Christianity's hard. Here's 17 things to make it easier. No, you need the voice of God in your life. You need to be listening to the voice of God. You need to be seeking the voice of God. You need to be around people that are seeking the voice of God. You need to listen for it. And when you hear it, you need to obey it. That's what we need. If we're gonna be proactive kingdom people, we don't need more programs. I don't need to make it easier. Well, I do wanna make it as simple as possible, but we need the voice of God. And Paul says, if we're gonna be proactive against the kingdom of hell, and we're gonna advance the kingdom of heaven, take up your sword, which is the spirit, the word of God. It not only defends, it attacks. And the Holy Spirit gives us this. We absolutely have the uttered word of God in scripture, but in our hearts. This is the same Holy Spirit that led Jesus to the wilderness to pray for 40 days. It's the same Holy Spirit that Jesus instructed the disciples to wait on before doing ministry. He said, don't go anywhere. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes. It's the same Holy Spirit that Jesus says, he's the helper. He's the spirit of truth. Uh, I wanted to say one more thing, but I lost it. Anyway, so the same Holy Spirit that Jesus instructs us to wait upon is available to us. And we're being proactive with like your car brakes is like a matter of the will. The Holy Spirit helps transform our will. He will take over. He will give vision. He will give us instruction. He will light our path. If we're gonna be proactive kingdom people, I don't know how else to say it, we have got to listen for and obey the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 18 says to pray in the spirit on all occasions. And I used to be really intimidated with verses like that. Pray without ceasing. I'm like, chill out. Take a break. Don't do that. <laughs> like cease, you know, it wears me out. But I started to realize that's not like supposed to like, like chain me or make me feel like I'm not doing good enough, but it's just saying prayer is available always. I was in Branson, Missouri with my, my wife's family, which is basically like the Pigeon Forge of Missouri, like the wax museum, Ripley's Believe It or Not, all the stuff in a lake. And we were, and it was great. I said that cynically, but it was fun. And we were, we were at the lake and um, it was day four of five, I believe. And uh, we were sitting on a dock Kids were swimming, I was hot, and I was just moody, because I was, and I am. And I was annoyed with nothing, but I was annoyed. And so I was like, you know, I'm just gonna walk away and just go walk on my own, so I did. I started throwing rocks into the water, because it's super fun. I like throwing rocks in the water. Just the splash is kinda cool. And so I'm just throwing rocks in the water, and then I realized, wait, I could pray right now. Very simple realization, but I spent the next 10 to 20 minutes walking around and just praying, God, our feet my mood right now. I don't know why I'm in this mood, but it's hot, I'm sweaty, 
I don't want to get in the water because I don't want to take a long time to dry off. Ugh, you know, I'm just like, Ugh. that's how deep my prayer life was this morning, that, that afternoon. All right. I'm just like really in the spirit. Um, but, uh, but I'm praying and, and I just start praying. I, I start listening and I just start talking to God. And I, I really want to walk you through this. In no way am I boasting in any way. I'm just like trying to go, I'm trying to give you a handle on what I'm talking about. I'm praying and I'm going, God, you know what? I'm so moody. I'm sorry. Just so you know, I know you know this, but I'm letting you know that I know it too. If you need to rebuke any of my ways, rebuke them. God, if there's anything you're trying to pull me into, let me know. I'm in. You're God, I'm not. I'm childish, you're not. Lead me. You're God, you're king. Is there anything you're saying to me? I started praying that way, and I'm serious. My heart just slowly, I, just, I felt it coming to life. It's like, man, I, God, that's right. I'm an idiot. This whole family just like loves me. It's like buying me food all week long. This loves that I married their daughter, which is a miracle. And I'm just like being a pouty and weird. Like, what am I doing? And just praying. And I'm like, okay, God, also, I start praying for the family. And thank you for them. I'm praying for them. I started praying for a conversation to happen. I walked back after 20 minutes of praying and the conversation I was praying with happen was happening and I interrupted it. And then I played it cool and backed out, you know? But it was really cool. And I just recognized like prayer, guys, prayer one is totally free. No catches. It's just available to you whenever you want it. It's a great deal. There is no deal on Amazon or on Black Friday that's nearly that good. Like, it's just always available. And it does something. If we're going to be proactive for the kingdom of heaven, I believe the ruby, the people in this church need to be proactive in prayer, talking to the Lord, honestly checking in. Don't underestimate the power of a 10-minute break, just stepping somewhere else other than there to be with the Lord. I'm just checking in. You're God. I love you. Is there anything you want to tell me? If there's not, I'm just going to pray for people. So powerful to be proactive for the kingdom of heaven. We need to be people of prayer. Step away. Don't underestimate it. Secondly, that was a point. Prayer was a point. Um, secondly, um, we need to be people that dream with God. And I've avoided that language because it's pretty cheesy, but it's so true. God has created us. Ephesians 2.10 says that he's prepared works for us beforehand. And for us to be a people that sit back and go, God, what are you up to in my life? Who have you put me around and why? Is there anything you're saying? Where have you placed me and why? God, will you give me dreams? Give me ideas. Give me insights. Your way is the best way. And this has been a big place in my life that has really shifted my like, spiritual trajectory. I just would take time regularly to sit back and go, God, is there anything I need to notice? Is there anything you want me to walk into? Lead me. He will do that. He will answer that prayer. Dream with God as this new season comes. Don't be caught back on your heels. Go, man, here's how I'm gonna pray more. Just listen to the Lord, be with God. Here's how I'm gonna dream with God. And then thirdly, make disciples. Woo! You want your life to come alive in Jesus? Watch someone else's life come alive in Jesus. That's powerful. In a life that goes, how are you? You're loved, you're loved, you're loved. You, 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 you. Personality test this, personality test that. Love you, 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 okay? You, you, you. Do you feel that in culture? Jesus goes, you want to live? Die. You want to serve yourself? Serve others discipleship, y'all, is, and I don't want to come up with a selfish reason to disciple. I just kind of said disciple someone so you could be happy. That's not what I'm saying. But 
you will experience a unique, like you will see God differently when you watch someone else come to know God. As a people, as a church, we live in a, in a world that goes, what's your calling? I can tell you right now, one of your callings is to make disciples. And so as this new season approaches, I'm inviting all of us to pray, God, will you give me one person to disciple? You show me to them, you show them to me, and I'll show up for it. I'll be there. Discipleship brings life. It, it, it just reminds us of the goodness of who God is. So what does it look like in this season to be proactive in the kingdom of heaven? Let's be a people of prayer, not underestimating how powerful it can be just to step away and be in the presence of God. Number two, let's be a people that dream with God. Open hands. God, what are you up to? Who am I around? Where am I and why? What do you got for me? Three, let's be a people that make disciples. That is proactively living for the kingdom of heaven. And so, will we enter into this new season proactively? And I just kind of have like a what if we kind of like anthem questions that I'm going to ask as we close up. But what if we prayed as families and as friends for salvation in our city? What if we, each of us, each one of us discipled one person? What if next year we had doubled in size, which I don't really want because it gives us some logistical issues, but spiritually, I really want it. But what if we doubled in size and each person could point to one other person and go, they're the reason I'm here. And I'm following God and I'm following, they're the reason. What if that happened? That can actually happen. That's a thing that is actually available. It's not like some big dream to get you inspired. It's real. What if we prayed that the kingdom would come? What if our whole church was praying for our church? What if for the next few months we were all praying for this church? God, what are you up to? Help us to hear you. Help us to listen. What if we led one person to Jesus this year? Gosh, that would be insane. Jesus is so real. What if we each met one area of brokenness this year in our city? What if each of us proactively overcame a sin area in our life that we have not overcome yet? All of that is available. And this is not why, I'm almost done. I'm sweaty, so I'm guessing I've been teaching a long time. I'm sorry. My chest is like sweaty, which means I'm in shape. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm so sweaty. Uh, hashtag fitness. Um, this, is not, this is not walking into a new season going, hey, you're not doing enough. Do more. This is walking into a new season going, God, when you lead me, you lead me into green pastures. Where are you leading me? This is us going, Jesus, I believe you, that your burden is light, your yoke is easy, that if I learn from you, you give me rest, real rest, so I'm gonna follow you. What do you have for me? So as we enter into communion, I'm gonna ask you to reflect individually. I've got a simple question we're gonna throw up on the screen. and just says, hey, where are two to three areas where you wanna be proactive as this new season comes? The sun's gonna start going down earlier, your schedule's gonna fill up, the interstate's gonna be a little busier, and if we're not careful, we'll be caught on the back of our heels, kind of stressed out by the new season. But we don't have to be. God, there's a new season coming. Here's some places where I'm gonna be proactive. If, if we as a church listen to the Holy Spirit, whew, it is crazy what God will do here. And it'll be kingdom stuff. I'm not saying we'll get bigger and get a nicer building and like a, a dance team, and I don't know what a dance team would be, but what I'm saying is like God will produce kingdom fruit. It'll be special. So I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna invite you individually to reflect on this question, to write down, to walk around, do whatever you do to actively engage this question. Um, and then when you're comfortable, you can go grab communion and take communion. Um, God, thank you uh, for this morning. I love you. Um, erase the tangents from our memory and help the, the truth that you're trying to say to us to stick. Um, Holy Spirit, will you lead us in this part of the conversation? Participation is where transformation happens. So just help us in Jesus' name. Amen.